Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Exploring Middle Earth podcast. Yes, yes. I'm your host, <laughs> Grant. With me is Jay, Jay. as always. Yes. Um, today we are doing episode 59, the Fellowship of the Ring deep dive series. Um, this is all about chapters 9 and 10, which is um, at the sign of the Prancing Pony and Strider. So we're just going to do a little deep dive on each of those chapters, kind of dig into some of the more obscure things or hidden details. I guess not all of them are hidden. Easter but eggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easter, eggs. Easter eggs. Um, but yeah, take it away, Jay. What's uh, chapter nine all about? Okay, yeah. So I'm going to uh, give you a quick summary of chapter nine, Sign of the Prancing Pony, if you needed a quick refresher. Um, so uh, chapter nine starts out, um, the hobbits make it to Bree. And uh, it's nighttime, and they come up to the door. And so, um, if you want to know more about Bree, we have a whole episode on Bree. But um, the Bree is just a town near the Shire. So uh, the hobbits show up to Bree, and they have to get past the the watch guard. He's not really a guard; he's just a guy watching, just watching, yeah. just watching the gate. And they convince him to let them in, and he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll do it." Then he lets them in, but then after they get past then the shadow comes in um uh, we don't really figure creepy. out in this episode what this shadow is but a shadow comes in uh unbeknownst to the watchman that's a good word yeah thank it's you unbeknownst um so yeah so the hobbits make their way through um and uh they get to the prancing pony um which is the local inn and they announce themselves to the innkeeper who is barlamin butterbur which is a great name. Ah, uh, Barlaman. Bar- Barlaman. <laughs> Barlaman. 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 Yeah, so the hobbits seem to remind Barlaman uh, of something, but he cannot quite remember what it is that he's supposed to, or that it's bringing up. But he knows yeah. there's something happening. Something going. There's some sort of gear turning on in his head. Yeah. So Butterbur uh, sets the hobbits up in their room and gives them dinner and they just shows them the room and they wash themselves and everything then after dinner uh frodo sam and pippin all go to the main drinking hall but mary stays back in the room to rest um and the hobbits quickly become the center of attention in the hall um as freak or freak (laughs) they're freaks brie folk (laughs) brie folk (laughs) i guess they could be freaks yeah rarely get news of travelers from hobbiton anymore um so they're uh they're the center of attention because they're from Hobbiton. There are hobbits in Bree. Uh, this is a mixture of hobbits and men, but um, they rarely get hobbits from Hobbiton anymore, or really the Shire even. I guess yeah. They get I I know they get some people from Buckland, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, that's how uh they get into the gate is um, Mary says that they're from Buckland. He's yeah. a brandy buck, and the guy's like, okay, all so. right, yeah. So. Um, Frodo is worried about some suspicious looking characters, um, watching the hobbits from the dark and, uh, corners of the room because of the run-ins they've had with the ringwraiths. Um, so Butter- Butterbur points out to Frodo, a particularly weather-beaten individual called Strider. Uh, the innkeeper says that Strider's a ranger, a wanderer among the northern lands, and Strider makes some pointed comments and Frodo begins to wonder how much the man knows. So Frodo goes over and talks to him. Yeah. Um, and then Frodo suddenly notices that Pippin, who has had too much beer, is telling the crowd about Bilbo's birthday party <laughs> and getting close to telling about the, telling the part about the ring, um, which is when Bilbo put the ring on at the party and disappeared. And they did have a talk before they left their room to go to the main drinking hall to uh, remember to keep it on the down low and uh, not draw too much attention to themselves, but Pippin's doing the exact opposite of that. Yeah, keep it on the DL. Um so to distract the audience from Pippin, Frodo gets up on a table and sings a song. It's a long song, but he sings it and he does really good. Um, and his ruse works, uh, and everybody's excited and they're like, "Hey, encore!" And uh, so he starts to sing a second time, but he falls off the table and accidentally slips the ring onto his finger. Dang! So he's gone. Uh, the crowd is shocked to see Frodo vanish, and everyone suddenly becomes quiet and suspicious. And then uh, they get Butterbur and start trying to explain it to Butterbur what happened. Um, and Frodo, uh, while he's invisible, goes into the corner and re- re- reappears right by Strider. Um, and Strider addresses Frodo by his real name because at the time he went by um, Underhill. Um, 
and not uh, Frodo. Um, yes. Frodo Baggins. Under yeah. I don't know if he just said he was or he never gave his first name. Underhill yeah, was his last name. Underhill, I think. <clears throat> yeah. So um, Frodo realizes that um, this Strider guy knows about the ring, um, and Strider asks to see Frodo later. Um, and Frodo, his big guy, his big idea to be like, hey, this what it was just all I don't know why like, you're so confused. Is he says he comes out and says um, after he slipped, he crawled over to the corner and started talking to uh, Strider. And everybody's not really convinced, which if that happened, if so, if you were an onlooker there and use that explanation came to you, I feel like that's very hard to believe. And also a weird thing to do, like you're in the middle of a whole dance and song number and you slip and just, I'm going to go talk to the guy in the corner now. (laughs) You just just crawl under the tables. Yeah, I'm going to be over here now. (laughs) Yeah. So then they all return to the rooms and rumors start to spread. And that's where the chapter closes. Ah. Yeah, so it's an exciting chapter. We got a lot of action. In <laughs> Very it. exciting. Mm-hmm. Now this chapter, chapter ten, Strider, is where we get to know a little bit more about the the uh, mysterious man in the corner that Frodo uh, mm-hmm. has kind of had a few words with already. So Strider had, um, well, he asked for permission to kind of go into their room and and talk privately to Frodo about a matter that concerned them greatly, um, and. After a while, Frodo kind of ends up trusting him just enough to allow him to kind of talk about it because um, he, he seems to already know about the ring um, since when he allegedly crawled back to Strider. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Strider said that he had uh, seen, or seen that it had slipped on him or something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so kind of going into the chapter here. Uh, Sam, Frodo, and Pippin return to their room um, after that exciting night in the common room. Uh, they find that uh, Mary's still gone, um, and he he said earlier he would he mentioned that he would kind of rest a little bit and then probably take a walk, a little brisk walk on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they end up lighting a fire on the hearth, and when they do, the light reveals that Strider had followed them into the room, <laughs> uh, not even saying a word. So it's a little interesting. Kind of um, creepy. Yeah. So remaining skeptical of him, the hobbits, mostly Frodo, ponder over Strider's offer of information and advice. Um, Strider's pleased to, that the hobbits are at least untrusting of strangers um, because they keep asking why they should trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, Strider apparently knows much of Frodo's mission. Uh, he saw the hobbits with Tom Bombadil on the road and followed them into the Brie, into the Brie, <laughs> into Brie. Um, and he was apparently the shadowy figure who had slipped in just after they did Ooh. in the chapter before. So it kind of builds it up in a way that you think, oh, is that a black rider that slipped in past yeah. them, you know? But it was Strider. Mm-hmm. He's just hanging out, <laughs> mm-hmm. doing Strider things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he was also waiting in Bree for a hobbit named Frodo Baggins and overheard Frodo saying not to mention Baggins and that he was to go by Underhill while in Bree. So still suspicious about Fry- Frider. <laughs> Jeez. Strider, Frodo, and the hobbits wonder what they can do to leave Bree without being seen by any spies or black riders. Strider offers his services again as a guide and a navigator, uh, saying he knows the lands between Bree and Rivendell very well. Um, at this moment, Barlam and Butterbur enters the room, and Strider quickly hides in the shadows. Just a little sneaky guy. Yeah. Uh, Butterbur hands Frodo a letter apologizing for forgetting about it earlier when he heard the name Underhill. Apparently, this was the thing that he was uh, forgetting. Um, Butterbur was apparently a friend of Gandalf's and was supposed to deliver his letter to the Shire to Frodo Baggins going by Underhill. But one thing after another happened, and he forgot, and then there was the whole you know, debacle in the common room. Mm-hmm. Kind of forgot all about it. But anyways, he warns Frodo about the obvious threat of the spies and the Black Riders, and also that some of the rangers, including the mysterious Strider, has been asking questions about him. Mm-hmm. Not to go talking to them. Bad news. Bad news. Those rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, Strider steps out of the shadows and frightens Butterbur. <laughs> Butterbur continues to tell Frodo not to trust Strider and to stay in Bree, but Strider says that would be unwise as the Black Riders are from Mordor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butterbur is evidently alarmed and says nothing more on the matter. And then he leaves the room and Strider encourages Frodo to open the letter. Uh, it included some warnings from Gandalf as well as proof that Strider's the real deal. And I'll read this letter later. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Read this letter later. Read this letter later. Read this letter later. I don't know. (laughs) 
I feel Letter like it, it would get harder if I tried more. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> after reading the letter, Frodo is now fully convinced that Strider, now revealed to be Aragorn, <gasps> is a friend and an ally. Yes. Oh, yeah, uh, if you're listening for the first time, we pronounce it as Aragorn and not Aragorn. Yeah. Because that's how Grant told me to pronounce it, and he knows better than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for li- I have reasons, Yeah, though. Grant. No, I was just saying that's the reason I pronounce it. Yeah. I can't remember why. It just linguistically, it makes more sense, mm-hmm. because their their names and how they structure their words don't follow English rules. If It follows Elvish rules, mm-hmm. Quenya, or Sindarin, even. Um so A-R-A isn't era, like mm-hmm. how we would pronounce it. It's ara. Um, I could probably go into a whole rabbit hole about that, but eh, we don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Aragorn is, sounds cooler than Aragorn. I think it does, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, try calling it Aragorn see how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can impress all your friends. <laughs> you might not have the actual reason for it, but you could just say, yep, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so uh, Strider's revealed to be Argorn, who's actually a friend and an ally. Uh, he asks why he didn't come forth and reveal that right away, but Strider stresses that it wouldn't be likely that anyone could believe him as he was mysterious and grim-looking, altogether distrustful and unlovely. <laughs> oh, poor Aragorn. <laughs> but Frodo agrees to have Strider guide them through the lands. So that's the good news. Uh, Strider also quotes a poem that was in the letter, even though Frodo didn't read it out loud further cementing his proof that he was the real Strider. Uh, anyway, so Strider goes over his plans of travel, and Mary bursts into the door. He had been gone for a little while on his little walk, you know, mm-hmm. um, after the other hobbits went to the common room, and then he had spotted, not f- long after, a shadowy figure walking away. Mm-hmm. Is this Aragorn? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm-mm. He was pulled into a trance-like state and followed unwillingly. He stopped at what appeared to be Bill Fernie's house, and there were strange people talking in whispers. Hey, man, what's, going? what's going on? Hey, hey, oh, you're actually going? talking. Hey, man, how's it going? Oh, really good. Yeah, I would go and let you shoot more again. Okay, you're not saying anything. Right? I know, I wasn't saying okay. anything. I started, I'm tricking you, dude. Oh, man, it really got me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Mary was captured, and he fell to the ground and passed out. Uh, Nob. <laughs> uh, who is Butterbur's <laughs> assistant? I like Butterbur's assistant's names. There's Knob and there's Bob, and then yeah. Butterbur. So nah, Bob cool Butterbur. Knob and Bob. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> Bob on my knob, dude. She, she, <laughs> she Butterbur on my knob till I Bob, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, wow, anyway, so Knob had found him <laughs> on the street with two shadowy people leaning over him and picking him up. And it was Nob shouting that scared them away um, and because they were afraid that people were going to wake up and see what was happening. And then Mary wakes up and he sprints back to the inn because uh, apparently that's all his, he was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strider prepares the hobbits to defend against an inevitable attack, placing decoys in their room and standing guard all night. Oh. But yeah, that's the end of the chapter and it will continue on with um, uh, a knife in the dark. <laughs> think that's chapter 11 and then um chapter 12 i think is flight to the ford but yeah we but got, we'll get into that in the next episode yeah we got we got some deep got diving, some deep to, diving do. to do let's put get up, some deep put on diving. your put on your scuba gear let's go deep diving deep diving so i'm gonna do a overview of brie or no Prancing Pony. Prancing Pony. The Prancing Pony. We already talked about the, yeah, sorry. about the brie i keep saying <laughs> about that. the brie uh, the yeah. Prancing Pony in general. Yeah. So, yeah, Prancing Pony was like the main inn in Brie. Main the main inn. The main inn in Brie. Main inn in Brie. Main inn in Brie. So I'm going to read. I have two quick passages from this chapter, chapter nine. Good. Um, the inn in Brie was still there, however, and the innkeeper was an important person. His house was a meeting place for the idle, talkative and inquisitive among the inhabitants, large and small, of the four villages in and a resort of rangers and other wanderers for such travelers, mostly dwarves, as still journeyed on the east road into the mountains. So it's just like a gathering place for... Yeah. Uh, classic inn. Just a classic inn. But this one's got rangers mm-hmm. and dwarves and brie folk. Yes, and then sorts. this passage is from when um, uh, the hobbits first see it. It says, even from the outside, the inn looked a pleasant house to... Fami- too familiar eyes. It had a front on the road and two wings running back on land partially cut 
out of lower slopes of the hill. So at the rear of the second floor, windows were level with the ground. There was a wide arch leading to the courtyard between the two wings. And uh, and on the left of the arch, there was a large doorway reached by a few broad steps. The door was open and (laughs) and light streamed out of it. Above the arch, there was a lamp, and beneath it swung a large signboard, a fat white pony reared up on its hind legs. Nice. Over the door was painted in white letters, The Prancing Pony by Barlam and Butterbur. Many of the lower windows showed light behind thick curtains. I like that it's The Prancing Pony by Barlam and Butterbur. It makes yeah. it seem like a book or something. I know. The Prancing Pony by Barlam and Butterbur. So, yeah. So, The Prancing Pony was the inn in Bree, which was located where the East Road bent round the foot of the Bree Hill with the, uh, within the dike that stretched around the town, uh, which is why... Those second floor windows are level with the ground. Yeah. Um, the building was three stories tall with many windows. The front faced the road, as most buildings do. Uh, and had two wings that uh, led to the back. So it was, it was like a, they had the main area with the the drink, the main drinking hall, which is where the all the all that stuff went down. Yeah. And they had the two uh, the uh, two wings where the rooms most likely were. Yeah. Um and then there was that courtyard between uh the wings. Um and uh in the north wing there were rooms on the ground floor that had been especially built for hobbit guests uh because um as you know hobbits live in holes in ground. The hole they yeah. live in a hole in the ground. Um so they aren't very fond of second or third story. Yeah, they like uh, their first floor accommodations. Yeah. Um, and then the center of activity was the big common room where drinks were served um, near a cheery log fire and lanterns were hanging on roof beams. So just imagine your classic inn or medieval inn. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like if you played Skyrim before, it's like mm-hmm. going into one of those inns to yeah. get information. Information. <laughs> oh, whoa. Is that where that comes <laughs> from? Yeah. No, it's not. I wish I could go to a nice inn like this. I mean, they yeah. they probably have... I mean. There's probably like uh, in Europe and stuff. They yeah, ha- they're more common than in America. It's more of yeah, like definitely. a more be like a touristy thing if it was in America. Yeah, I feel like America are like that version would be like Wild West inns, Old West inns, a saloon. Yeah, saloon. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, we have saloons. They have inns. Yeah, we do or have pubs. Saloons. They call them pubs. Pubs. Yeah, I would we lo- don't call them pubs here. Really, I would love to go to a, an English pub. Do or it. or an Irish pub, yeah, or or a German pub. <laughs> okay, just, yeah. all of them. Yeah, all of them. I'll take a tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the prancing pony had been built long before the time of the War of the Ring, when traffic on the roads had been much greater. Uh, despite the d- diminished number of visitors, the inn had remained in- an important center of news since Bree was at the crossroads of the East Road and the Greenway, uh, which came up from the south and went onwards to Fornost. Um, we have a whole episode. I'll link this episode. In the description, but we have a whole episode specifically on Bree. So if you want, uh, if you're wondering, like, what is the Greenway and what is the East Road, yeah, and what was it like back then, uh, and what was Fornost, we have a whole episode on that. Um, but sp- talking specifically about uh, the Prancing Pony, um, the inn had been kept by the Butterbur family for generations, um, and was a gathering place for men, dwarves, and hobbits. Um, uh, Tobald Hornblower was one of the Shire Hobbits who visited Debris and prob- most likely the Prancing Pony when he learned about pipeweed yeah. around uh, third age 2670. Um, old Toby brought back samples of the plant to the South Farthing where it became a major product of Hobbit agriculture, but the center of art of smoking remained at the Old Inn. So it's kind of, it's like a, like a trading town, you know, where... Yeah. A bunch of different uh, towns and roads and stuff come through, and it's just like the center area. Yeah. So yeah. that's also why the Prancing Pony is famous around, uh, all around Arda, or not Arda, of uh, <laughs> um, could be Eridor, not yeah. Arda. Could be famous gotcha. around Arda. Yeah, um, yeah. I like the fact, like, um, in the prologue, I think there's like concerning pipeweed or whatever that mm-hmm. little section. It's like apparently written by Mary. I've obviously it's written by Tolkien, but it's mm-hmm. through the the writings of Mary about herb lore. Um and I don't know, that stuff fascinates me because it's like kind of cool that 
The Hobbits did technically come up with smoking pipe weed, but it was in Bree, not in the Shire. Yeah. And but they didn't they didn't um cultivate or like grow the pipe weed. They just would find it in like little groves of this like a bunch of like this plant in one place and then they would harvest it right yeah. there. Like they would basically just forage for it. That made it more special. But then yeah, um then it was old Toby who was the one who brought it back and started harvesting it in fields. Mm-hmm. So um so you can say you can thank him for that, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Just and something and, I don't know, just something interesting. Yeah. And uh here I want to see if I can find this. Um okay. in the uh um, in the appendices of um, the appendices of the Lord of the Rings, um, pipe down. Yeah, sorry, I, I don't know if it's in here now. No, um, I can't find it here. But in the appendices of Lord of the Rings, I'm pretty sure it's the appendices. Um, we get the scene, or we, or not the scene, but like it's a. Uh, noted that Thor and Oakenshield met uh Gandalf in Bree. Um so it's a good there's a good chance that they met in the Prancing Pony when they discussed um or when Thorin brought the idea to um Gandalf that he wanted to take back the Lonely Mountain and uh get Smaug out of there. Yeah. He, I need a thief. And Gandalf's like I got a guy. I got a guy. I'll get you my I got a guy. guy. I got thief a guy. I got a dude. Yeah. Um and uh then uh up to now September 29th the third age 3018 Frodo, Sam, Pippin and Mary arrive at Bree and Strider arrive at Bree and come to the prancing pony. Um so that's all that's happened up until now. Maybe there'll be more that happens in it, maybe not. I'm not going to spoil it for you. We'll see. But yeah, so the prancing pony is just like it's the quintessential inn. It's like the green dragon of the uh, of Bree. Well, I guess <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they're both inns. Yep. But um, yeah, it's just your classic uh, medieval inn pub type thing, mm-hmm. and it just seems like a nice place to just chill and talk. And it seems like a fun happening place, you know, a place where you could sing a song like Frodo's and everybody's excited. I feel like if you sent, if you tried that. Um, at a pub today, people were like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, try that in a small town. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. My bad. Oh, wait, I meant to hit. Wow. No, that works. <laughs> Both of them work. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Grant, you, I've never even heard that song. <laughs> I just I know either. It. But, um, yeah, you want to move on to... Yeah, I would love to. You want to get out, out of this topic, dude, and go to Squint-Eyed Southerner? You want to get out of here? This is Ice Queen. Yeah. Oh, that's the sound it makes? Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to... It's not like a cat. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about the different spies that were in uh, Bree land. Mm-hmm. And all of them were evil, you know. All of them? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I'm sure there were some, but I, these are the notable ones. There's got to be good ones. Yeah, these are just the notable ones, because mm-hmm. I'm sure the Rangers... It's just the, it's just the bad ones that get all the press, which make all of them look bad. Oh. There's good ones. But there's just some that make them look bad, and they get all the most attention. That seems like a lot of allegory right there. I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, moving on. Um, Yeah, so I'm talking about the evil, specifically the evil Evil. spies of Breland. So as I've mentioned, and if you've read the chapter, then you will know of him is Bill Fernie, perhaps the most famous of the spies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Fernie is first mentioned in a list of surnames common in Bree among uh, men that were particular, particularly plant-based. Mm-hmm. So I think that's in the chapter um, at the Sign of Prancing Pony. It kind of goes through like like they were being introduced to a bunch of different people, and all of them seem to have various plant names for their surnames. And so Bill uh, was one of them because Fernie, like a fern, Mm-hmm. Duh. Um, Fernie. Yeah. Fernie. I barely know you. Know you. Fernie. Yeah. <laughs> Bill is assumed to be a Breland native and lives in a dark and shabby house on the south end of town along the main road. Um, according to Strider, Bill would sell anything to anybody or make mischief for amusement. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it seems Bill Ferney attracted darker people, considering he was approached often by the Black Riders or the squint-eyed Southerner. Indeed, he was in league with them, selling information at the inn to the Black Riders in exchange for money or something more sinister. Cha-ching! Uh, Bill also had a pony that he kept. Nice. It was overworked and skinny and on the verge of death, but when the hobbits needed a pony... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I meant to do the all, not play the Frank Sinatra song. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, but when the hobbits needed a pony and his, and his was the only one left, he charged them way over mm-hmm. what the pony was really worth so that he could make a profit off of his whole Hobbit Underhill spy ordeal. Um, wow, sorry, dude. I keep hitting the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even bother me at this point. Uh, the, the, the exchange of like the pony and... That whole thing, buying the pony from Bill Fernie, happens in the in the next chapter after mm-hmm. Strider. Spoiler, dude. Um, but it involves Bill Fernie, so mm-hmm. that's just hey, you're you're all good. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting though is Sam names Bill's pony Bill when he yeah. when he buys him. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, it's unclear whether or not he did this out of spite for Bill Fernie or whether it was just a common pet name in Middle Earth. It wouldn't make sense if it was out of spite because. That's yeah. just naming it. I don't, yeah, he might I don't have just not been creative. Yeah. <laughs> just like remembered the last name he heard. Yeah. Oh, Bill. 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 Bill's no, a Sam, good name. Sam, no. <laughs> oh, I think Sam now. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> he just says whatever what name he's heard last. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so moving on, there was the squint eyed Southerner. Uh, yeah, so the squint eyed Southerner, which. I will hereby call the SES <laughs> because it's just faster Cease. to say. Sess. Sess. Yeah. Uh, was a strange looking man who was part of Bill Fernie's squad fam lit bay <laughs> group at the inn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, when Frodo fell off the table and turned invisible, Bill and the Sess both left the inn quickly, apparently off to report to the Black Rider within Bree. Um, he was mentioned as looking like a half-troll by the hobbits. Mm. Later on in the Two Towers, it is revealed that Sauron had been experimenting with orcs and bred half-human, half-uruks. This is what the Sess huh? was, an abomination of nature. Okay, what half-human... Okay, so the uruks grow out of the ground, you know, and then they, they like, uh, they, yeah. they hatch, I guess? Yeah. Would... Well, would, that, that's how Peter Jackson portrays it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess. So would... If, if that's how they canonically hatched or whatever were born would the half human half orc be born by a normal woman or do they grow out of there and then they're just like a half dude it would be born by a normal woman i think that makes sense because that i think about yeah because actual like in the books actual orcs are bred like or like they do mate and have children so there are Mm -hmm. female orcs technically oh yeah because i mean we go on a whole like tangent about this but like if you think about it back to the origins of orcs orcs were um allegedly corrupted from elves that morgoth had captured and he tortured Mm -hmm. them did all of his sort of magic on him and made them into orcs and then he continued to breed them as orcs so more orcs made more orcs and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um so it is assumed that there are female orcs if there were female elves right yeah and then also if you think about it in the hobbit or at least it mentions this in the appendices um Azog was one of the orcs that was, or that killed, um, I think it was Thrain, mm-hmm. who's the, the father of Thorin. Yeah. And Azog is mentioned as having a son named Bolg. Mm-hmm. And so how else would he have a son if not through another orc woman, right? Where are the female orcs in the Rings of Power, dude? Doing housework. I feel like that'd be, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be like. Well, yeah, didn't they mention they were having female orcs? Maybe, I don't I know. I think they did. Because I feel like. It doesn't really matter because they're just there to get killed. So, yeah. I don't know. But, like, out of all the stuff that, uh, the controversial stuff that they did, like, lore-wise, they couldn't have, they could have just put female dwar- or orcs in. I'm pretty sure they were going to. I don't know. I, I mean, why. I never noticed because they're just going to get killed. So It's I'm, been a while since I thought about Rings of Power. Dude. I'm not worried about, <laughs> I'm not worried about female representation in orcs. <laughs> wow. Dude, well, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so moving on. Um. Yeah, Saruman's been experimenting with orcs, half-human hybrids. Swing! Yep. <laughs> uh, that is also why some of the Uruks attacking Helm's Deep in the Two Towers um, could withstand sunlight, unlike regular orcs, because mm-hmm. they were half-human. Um, 
He was hair. also the the cess squint-eyed southerner mm-hmm. was also staying at Bill Fernie's house, and his face could be seen in the second story window as the hobbits and Strider walked south out of Bree. Um, the cess was originally a spy of Saruman, but he was overtaken by the Black Riders as they were beginning to search northwards for the Shire and Baggins. He was one of the few people to have given the Black Riders accurate information on the location of the Shire. He then became a spy for Sauron slash the Black Riders and no longer served Saruman out of fear for what the Black Riders would do to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Squint-Eyed Southerner is mostly just because he's half orc, half troll or whatever. Yeah. He's got an ugly face. Ugly. Um, yeah, and then the other spies, um, I guess they would be more than spies, but technically they were, are the Black Riders, the Ringwraiths, the Nazgul, whatever you want to call them. I don't know. Um, according to theories by many fans, I was starting to read up on some of these theories, there was only one Black Rider within Bree the night that the Hobbits were at the inn. Um, it seems that there were others, especially the Witch King, camped outside of Bree, as too many Black Riders would really cause a disturbance inside of Bree. That way, the Black Riders searching for Baggins and the Shire could come to Bree by the road and meet their captain, while those operating around Bree could easily report there as well. Uh, when the Black Riders from the Shire returned, they must have told the Witch King that Frodo was on the move and had left Bag End and even the Shire. This would have given the Black Riders enough time to send two of their own into Bree the Monday before the Hobbits arrived, and leaving one within who eagerly awaited information from the Cess and Bill Fernie. When they had discovered the four hobbits and Frodo's accidental trick in the inn, they alerted the Black Rider stationed within Bree, and he called for the others, planning an attack on the inn in the dead of night. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like a little little uh, tidbit on the Black Riders. That is Bree. interesting. Yeah, they had like a like a little base of operation on the Greenway, or I think, yeah, the north-south road mm-hmm. by Bree, which is where the Witch King was stationed. Um yeah, so um, th- the next topic, I'm going to be talking about Gandalf's letter that he had written for Frodo and just kind of a little bit about the timeline mm-hmm. uh, around like this specific, uh, well, basically from the spring all the way to uh, where they are in uh, the Prancing Pony just to give, kind of give or round out the whole situation so you guys can understand it. Let's take an ad break before. Um, and yeah, and that's the next thing I was going to say. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going <laughs> to no, start I, reading. No. I thought you were going to start reading. I got to get this in. I was just pretending. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Hey, everyone. Have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Uh, yeah, welcome back, guys. <coughs> um, J- Jay, Jay's yes. not letting me read. That grant is not allowed to read until we make our money. <laughs> yeah. What are we at? Have uh, we hit a dollar yet? No, we're at $9. Oh, dude. That's even better than I thought. Thanks, guys, for the $9. The government should not listen to this for tax reasons, though. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> the more you listen to this, the, the 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 more pennies we get out of this situation, okay? We're yes. at $9 so far. If we can get to $10, I will personally, I'll steal the money. And <laughs> I buy will, you will, we will send you guys all $10. We'll send you guys a $10 gift card. Sound good? Okay, yes. thanks. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the whole timeline between Frodo leaving the Shire and missing Gandalf at important points can be confusing because he like keeps trying to wait for him and all that sort of thing. He doesn't really know where he's at. They didn't have cell phones um, back then. But here I will attempt to break it down, like in a dance. Um, yeah, that was nice. Thanks. Along with Gandalf's letter. Let's start with the letter. So I'm going to read the letter straight from the book, straight from the source. Wait, Grant has a real letter? Grant yeah. has the real he. I have the actual letter. He got it at an auction. Yeah. Um, okay. On the front of the envelope, or envelope, whatever you want to say, it says, Mr. Frodo Baggins, Bag End Hobbiton in the Shire. And then on, I'm just reading this in Gandalf's voice because okay. I guess it would be from him, so. Little Burt break. Um, <laughs> the Prancing Pony, Bree, Mid Year's Day, Shire Year, 1418. 
Dear Frodo, bad news has reached me here. I must go off at once. You had better leave Bag End soon and get out of the Shire before the end of July at latest. I will return as soon as I can, and I will follow you if I find that you are gone. Leave a message for me here if you pass through Bree. You can trust the landlord, Butterbur. You may meet a friend of mine on the road, a man, lean, dark, tall by some cold strider. He knows our business and will help you. Make for Rivendell. There I hope we may meet again. If I do not come, Elrond will advise you. Yours in haste, Gandalf. P.S. Do not use it again. Not for any reason whatever. Do not travel by night. P.P.S. <laughs> P.P.? Make- yeah. Make sure that it is the real Strider. There are many strange men on the roads. His true name is Aragorn. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. P.P.P.S. I hope Butterbur sends us promptly. A worthy man, but his memory is like a lumber room. Thing wanted, always buried. If he forgets, I shall roast him. Farewell. That's the whole letter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he had a lot of PPs in there. Little post notes. I'm pretty sure that's what this stands for, right? PP. Mm-hmm. PP. PS. Post note. Or post, wait, no. Post script. Post script. Post script. Sorry. PN. Ah, dude. <laughs> oh, I suck. Oh, dude. Um... <laughs> As I have just read, Gandalf seems very pressed for time and stressed for time. Pressed Mm -hmm. and stressed for time. Uh, And he might not be able to return to the Shire in time to see uh, Frodo off. And he wants him to leave earlier than what they were originally planning, which was September. Uh, Because of this, Gandalf has let Strider and Barlaman know to look for an underhill and to assist him. Uh, Strider, of course, knew more of the situation than Barlaman would have. But um, you just kept keep that under wraps. You know? mm-hmm. uh, in the letter, it also mentions that Frodo must make sure it is real Strider, indicating that possibly some of Sauron's spies have been disguising themselves as rangers uh, or Strider himself in order to learn more information. So that's kind of interesting there. Yeah. Um, the true Strider, or Aragorn, goes with the final poem, which we find out later is written by Bilbo after meeting Strider for the first time, whom he calls the Dunedain. Which just means man of the West. Due to the West. So there's a little timeline here. Uh, in April 12 of that year, Gandalf reaches the Shire in Hobbiton, and the very next day, Gandalf reveals to Frodo that his magic ring is the one ring that Sauron seeks. Gandalf must be off to deal with other matters, but he gives Frodo a plan to leave the Shire, but he must wait for him first. Uh, you know, it's dangerous and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 1st, Gandalf finally leaves the Shire and he meets Aragorn at Sarn Ford, which is just south of the Shire on the Brandywine River. Uh, and he explains to him the importance of the watch over the Shire. Aragorn is now involved in the fate of the ring. In June, fugitives from the south reach Eriador, fleeing from war. Along with them is the squint-eyed southerner and possibly others like him from Isengard. Gandalf learns that there is war and defeat in Gondor, especially in Osgiliath, and starts to feel hopeless and lost. He begins to wander off from the south farthing, trying to think of what to do and kind of aimlessly walking. Uh, about mid-year's day, which is between June and July, I'm pretty sure in the Hobbit's calendar, uh, Radagast finds Gandalf near Bree on the Greenway. Radagast warns him of the Black Riders and says Saruman can help, but only if Gandalf comes quickly to Isengard. Finally, seeing a possible solution with the help of Saruman, he stops at Bree for a night before beginning the long journey south towards his ice, towards Isengard. Not his Isengard. Mm-hmm. Um, during his stay on Midyear's Day at the Prancing Pony, Gandalf writes the letter to Frodo that I've just read, foreseeing that he will be held up longer than expected, so Frodo should leave earlier than previously planned. July 1st, so this would be the very next day, uh, the Black Riders set forth to search for the ring across the Anduin, Gandalf travels south. July 10th, Gandalf is imprisoned on top of Orthanc after refusing to join Saruman's treason. Um, September 18th, so this is like fast-forwarding a few months, Gwaihir the Windlord, which is one of the great eagles, uh, rescues Gandalf from Orthanc as the Black Riders cross the fords of Isen a little to the south. September 20th, the Black Riders come to Isengard. Saruman turns them away, claiming he does not know of the Shire or Baggins. Uh, September 21st, the Black Riders encounter Grima Wormtongue and gain information from him. He is so scared that he does not tell his master what had happened. 
September 22nd, the Black Riders reach Sarn Ford in the late evening and drive away the Rangers station there. September 23rd, four Black Riders enter the Shire at dawn, while the other five chase the Rangers eastward. So while Frodo and uh, Pippin and Sam are walking through the Shire, there's only four of them in the Shire. Mm-hmm. And the other the other five are away. Um, so the, yeah, that night Frodo celebrates his birthday while eagerly awaiting Gandalf, not knowing he is traveling north with all speed upon Shadowfax, his new horsey friend. Uh, September 24, the hobbits are followed by a rider near Woody End, but are rescued by elves led by Gildor, who are traveling back east, and Gandalf crosses the Fort of Isen. Um, I'd let her, <laughs> I'd let her follow my Woody End. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> uh, September 26, two black riders enter Bree and talk to Nob. I'd, I'd let her knob on, I'd let her knob on my Woody End. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the riders go on to Archit, which is a nearby village. September 27, Gandalf crosses the Grey Flood on his way north. September 28, uh, Gandalf reaches Sarnford as the hobbits are trapped in the Barrows. September 29th, Frodo reaches Bree as Gandalf talks to the gaffer in Hobbiton. And September 30th, Crick Hollow, which is Frodo's new home, and the Prancing Pony are raided on the same night, both unsuccessful. The hobbits and Strider leave Bree, and Gandalf arrives at night. The very next day, Gandalf leaves Bree, knowing that Frodo and Strider have moved on. August 3rd, Gandalf reaches Weathertop and is attacked by the riders at night. These are the flashes of light that are seen in the sky by the hobbits and Strider. And Gandalf escapes to the north, pursued by four riders. And then much later, August 18, Gandalf reaches Rivendell two days before the hobbits and Strider because Shadow Effects is fast. Wait, did that go from September, the end of September to the start of August? Oh, I think I meant to do October. Okay, I was going to, because I was building up and I was going to wait to see if it did October 2nd because that's today. Yeah. And then you said August and I was confused. No, so it's October. Yeah, I don't know why I said August. <laughs> Uh, I wrote it down as August too. I didn't realize. Hey, that. you're okay, dude. That's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. But yeah. So that that that's a whole timeline, just kind of showing how like they keep going back and forth. Like Gandalf misses him in the Shire and misses him as in like he gets there too too late. Yeah. Uh, but he he, he gets probably there in the does Shire, miss him though. Realizes he's not there. Goes to Crick Hollow. He's not there. Then he goes to Bree and he just misses him like the day before. Mm. But then because Shadowfax is fast, he takes the road while Strider takes the northern way through the Midgewater marshes. So that's why they miss each other. Mm-hmm. And Shadowfax is really fast, so he reaches Weathertop first, fights off the Nazgul, escapes towards Rivendell, and that's how he reaches Rivendell first, even though he was way behind them. Mm-hmm. It's a wild goose chase, dude. Wild goose chase. So uh, hopefully, I don't know, I was trying to go a little fast there because it was a lot to read, but hopefully that kind of explains what was happening all the way from when he had written the letter and when like Frodo was supposed to get the letter to what had happened afterwards and if Barlam and Butterbur had sent that letter a little mm-hmm. earlier things could have fared a little easier for the hobbits yeah but the story wouldn't have been as good I that, guess. That, that's pretty true Barlam and Butterbur was uh, withholding the letter for story purposes plot purposes <laughs> plot purposes <laughs> plot purposes I'm breathing kind of heavy right now why because I'm thinking about the black breath <laughs> oh why don't you tell me what the black breath <sighs> is so the Black Breath um, comes from the Ring Wraiths, as you probably can guess. Um, uh, we see it a few times throughout Lord of the Rings, uh, the three books, not just this book. It's only mentioned one time in this book. Yes. Um, but the Black Breath, also known as the Black Shot Shadow, was a serious and often fatal condition resulting from contact with the Nazgul. Um, rather than actually being the breath of the Unseen Wraiths, it was more of a produced aura. Uh, meant to incapitate uh, foes. This power was used during extensive uh, was used extensively during the battle in Pelennor Fields, uh, though not during their confrontation with Frodo and his companions in Eriador. Um, so uh, I feel like it would have been uh, they would have been e- e- able to easily take down the four hobbits. Um, oh yeah, definitely. If they use the black breath, but um, well, we, I mean, you see, Mary, he pretty much passes out. Yeah, yeah. You so, talk about that. Yeah, I, <laughs> but hey, you led me right into it. So yeah, Sorry. like Grant said, Mary gets affected by the Black Breath, uh, and that's in uh, chapter ten. Um, so I'm going to read this passage. Um, it's a quick little passage, but um, this is when Mary gets back. Um, 
from his walk and he uh, is telling about the Black Riders um, and Aragorn is there. Um, So I'm afraid that's true, said Mary, though I don't know what I said. I had an ugly dream, which I can't remember. I went to pieces. I don't know what came over me. I do, said Strider, the Black Breath. The riders must have left their horses outside and passed through the south gate in secret. So uh, the reason Mary passed out um, is because of the Black Breath. He was affected by it just being near the Black Riders. Yeah. Um, that stinky breath. Yeah, they got stinky breath, dude. It's like the... I can't, I don't know the names of uh, the peanut cartoon or comic strips, but the one kid with the that carries a blanket around and he always has the fleas and stuff yeah what's his name so so there's um there's charlie brown i'll just yeah there's linus and lucy mm-hmm. and what's his name sigmund freud or something <laughs> it's not sigmund freud <laughs> <laughs> he was that other dude he was that other guy he was a peanut <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh let's look up character with blanket he's the one. Oh wait no linus has a blanket but he's not the stinky one i feel like it's on the tip of my tongue That'd be gross if he was on the tip of your tongue because he's stinky. He's stinky. Pigpen. That makes sense, dude. His name's Pigpen. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's not a normal name. Yeah, Pigpen. Can you, let's see. Hey, we'll do you do think a, it was actually Big Ben? <laughs> but then he he didn't shower enough, and there just started forming into Pigpen. Yeah. Ben. Let's see. Okay, so you had Snoopy, Charlie, and then we have Linus. Can you name one other Peanut character? Yeah, Lucy, Peppermint Patty. Yes. Okay. Good job. Mother freaking Patty. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's what I call her. I'm that's what you call her. Okay. Um, the other another time we see the Black Breath is in the Return of the King, which is the last book of the Lo- Lord of the Rings series. The Lord of the Rings. Um, and a character we haven't met yet named Faramir, uh, uh, gets affected by the Black Breath, and yes. he has he's brought to the House of Healing, um. Which I'm not gonna really spoil anything, so yeah, so don't. All you need to know is that he was brought to the house of healing, and um, they had a hard time trying to heal him. Yeah, but the herb master there said this quick poem: "When the black breath blows and the death shadow grows, all and all light pass. Come Athelas or Athles, come Athles, life to the dying in the king's hand lying." Uh, which he's talking specifically about this plant that will heal Faramir, mm-hmm. but um. It's also called the King's Foil. Yes, the King's Foil. Yeah, which um, uh, which Argorn uses in the mm-hmm. next chapter. Yeah, because so then Argorn is talking to Gandalf about this, and he said, Gandalf asks how Farmir is wounded. He said, weariness, grief of his father's mood, a wound, and overall the black breath. Um, he is a man of staunch will, and f- for already he has come close under the shadow before he even rode out to the battle walls. Slowly the dark must have crept on him. As even even as he fought and strove to hold his outpost, would that I have come been here? Would I would that I could have been here sooner? Yes. So, the black breath just slowly took him, overtook him. Yes. And so it's just this. It's it's like a fast acting disease almost. Yeah. It like affects your mind. It's not really a breath. It's not real breath. Like <sighs> it's like a it's like a presence. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I got bad breath. Yeah, but that's all I got in Black Breath. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, that's one of their main weapon weapons. Weapons. <laughs> uh, that's one of their <laughs> weapons. That's a, that was a good one, Grant. I like. <laughs> Basically, that's one of their weapons. Uh, their yeah, so that's weapons. one of their weapons, other than like fear and darkness. Darkness falls across the land. Darkness is the midnight hours close at hand. You think dark darkness is your ally? <laughs> Let's you go really to uh, the dark. trivia. I was born. You can hit me with all three. Okay. And then I'll give you this random. S- I didn't prepare trivia. Sorry, guys. I just was kind of dumb. Kind of dumb. Um, so I just looked up Silmarillion trivia Ooh. or a Silmarillion quiz. Okay. So we can do a little I got bit it. of that. Okay. I have. Hit me up, though. Okay. Um,. Uh, which one of the hobbits stayed back and didn't go into the uh, drinking? Oh, uh, Mary. Oh, Mary. Yeah. What? Yes. Um, how many stories did the prancing pony have, or does the prancing pony have? Is it three? Yes. Sick. Three. Got it. And um, I remember you saying second or third floor. Yes. About something. Um, and then let me see. Um. 
I guess another one, last one. I'll do four actually. What Ooh. exactly was written on the sign of this inn? What was what Whoa. was the exact wording? Was it the Prancing Pony by Barlam and Butterbur? Yes, because yeah, it was a book. Yes, it was a book. Yes, it's not just the Prancing Pony. It's um, the Prancing Pony by Barlam and Butterbur. Yes. Okay, and then lastly, uh, what two main roads was Bree at the crossroads of? Uh, well, Greenway was one of them. Mm-hmm. Was the other one just the east-west road? Yes. Just simple as that. Yes, sir. Bing, bang, boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do this one together. Okay. Uh, I got. I haven't brushed up on my Silmarillion in a while because we've been we've been deep in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, but I'll try. Sometimes you gotta pop back out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is the name for the Ainur who helped? And this is Ainur plural who Wait. helped. Are you so we're doing this together? Are we both answering? Or are we doing like you do one? I do well, one. Well, it's like a multiple choice. So I'll click on the answer. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll just we'll just kind of do it together. Okay. What is the name? This is plural. What is the name for the Ainur who helped shape Arda through their music and did not cause discord? Was it the children of Iluvatar, the Valar, the Eldar, or Eru? Um, the Valar. Okay. Who said that? Eldar. It's the Valar because Eldar are the yeah, elves in children of Iluvatar. Or elves in, and men would yes. be the Eldar, yeah. So it's the Valar. And Eru's not Ainur. Mm-mm. Uh, what is the true name of Sauron's master? Is it Morgoth, Mondos, Manwe, or Melkor? Melkor. True name. True was, name. Was he Morgoth first or Melkor first? He was he was Melkor first yeah. because then when he got bad, he became Morgoth. He just got, he got bad. He Things got worse. just got bad. <laughs> Uh, who are the children of Iluvatar? We basically just answered men this and elves. already. Elves and men. Not the dwarves. Uh, who is called Sulimo, the lord of the breath of Arda? Is it Mandos, Melkor, Manwe, or Olmo? Um, I know this one. I want to see if you can get it. It's, I think it's Mandos or Manwe. The lord of the breath of Arda. Or is it Olmo? Um, Olmo is water. Then I'm going to go Manwe. Monway. Okay. How many Valier are in Arda? Valier are the queens of the Valar. Ooh. So the the ladies. You've got seven, fifteen, fourteen, and ten. I'm pretty sure it's seven. I'll just guess seven. I think it goes along. I think it's the same amount as the, the kings of the Valar. So that I'm makes gonna, sense. Yeah, I think seven is right. Mm-hmm. Who of all the Valier created Telperion and Laurelin, which are the two trees? Was mm-hmm. it Varda, Yavanna, Melian? Oh, yeah, Melian. They just spelled it wrong. Mm-hmm. Or Elbereth, who is Varda. Is it Yavanna? Yavanna. Get this answer right. Correct. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, who is Elbereth? I just said that a little bit ago. Is it Manwe, Melian, Iluvatar, or Varda? Um, I can't even remember, dude. I don't even remember you saying that. That's I probably wasn't paying attention. Varda. I thought I was paying attention. Yeah, it was Varda. <sighs> uh, Luthien fell in love with oh. who? Oh, come on. Is it Turgon, Barahir, Thingol, or Baron? Baron, yeah, dude. Baron and Luthien, dude. Uh, which Grant and I are still waiting to be cast as Baron and Luthien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're waiting. Uh, which of these names is not a name that Turin, son of Hurin, took upon himself? Was it Gorthal, Thorondor, Agarwine, or Mormagil? I think... There's you one. know this better than me. Yeah, it's Thorondor. Thorondor mm. is the name of one of the big eagles, mm. not him. Whose sons fought against Melkor for the Silmarils? Was it Finarfin's sons, Fingolfin's, Folka's, or Feanor's? Finarfin. Nope. Nope. What's the second one? Fingolfin. Fingolfin? Nope. nope. Feanor. Feanor. Feanor's oh. sons. Yeah. Oh. Hey, it's okay, man. Sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. Let's see. Was that the last one? Yeah. Oh, it was just <laughs> 10 questions. Um, what is the name for the Ainur who helped shape? Yep, we got it. The Valar. Yeah, bing, yeah. bang, boom. Yeah. 87% of answers, or er, <laughs> 87% of players have answered that correctly. Nice. Uh, what is the true name of Sauron's master? We got Melkor, Mor- correct. Um, 88% of players mm. have answered that correctly. So a little bit more than the first mm-hmm. question. Uh, number three, who are the children of Iluvatar? Oh, there's an ad that literally just popped up in front of no! the answer. So that's cool. Thank you. Wow, what dude. is this ad? <laughs> it's uh, Mazda. Oh, I was like, I thought you were saying the answer to the question. I was uh, like, what? Frick your life, Mazda. <laughs> Unless you're paying us, then I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iluvatar created it. Elves. Yeah, and, oh, so the answer is elves and men. There it is. Yes. Okay. Um, 
88% also have answered that correctly. So wow. we're getting pretty consistent here. Mm-hmm. Who is called Sulimo, the lord of the breath of Arda? It is Manwe. No! Oh, I, my, <laughs> my fingers hit the wrong one. Now check this one out. Huh? 82% of players. So it oh. went down slightly, but not much. 82% is still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, how many Valier are in Arda? So these are she just the queens. Seven. We said seven? That is correct. Yeah! Um, the Valier are the female Valar, of mm-hmm. which there are seven. 50, 55% Ooh. of players have answered that correctly. They need to brush up. Seven's a big biblical number. I can see why Tolkien chose it. Yeah. Dude. Uh, who of all the Valier created Telperion at Laurelin? I said Yavanna. Yavanna was correct. Yeah! Let's go, dude. 83% of players have answered correctly. That's better. That's, That's a little better. better. Mm-hmm. Who is Elbereth? Varda is correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, Elbereth Gilthoniel. 80% of players have answered that correctly, so a little worse. These players know their stuff, though. Yeah, about 80% of them so mm-hmm. far. Luthien fell in love with whom? Baron, dude. It was Baron, of course. 92% Let's go. answered that correctly, so that's pretty easy. Everybody one. knows Baron Luthien. Yeah. Um, get ready for this one. Which of these names is not a name that Turin, son of Horan, took upon himself? The answer is Thorondor, yeah! which I Let's was go. right. He was the king of the eagles. 63% of players have answered that correctly. Mm. I didn't so, even answer that one. I uh, passed it off to you. Yeah. Uh, whose sons fought against Melkor for the Silmarils? The I answer got this was one wrong. Feanor. Yeah, Feanor, I don't know. Don't, don't no! Do 87% of players have answered that correctly. Mm. So you were among the 13. <laughs> did not. I'm among the uh, 13. But we got a 10 out of 10 together. Let's go. A- no! Average, <laughs> average score for this quiz is 8 out of 10. That makes sense because a lot of them were 80% of yeah. round. It's cool. Yep. So uh, thanks everyone. Thank you. A little bit of trivia. Uh, uh, real quick, we've just got something small to tell you guys. It's a little bit of Middle Earth current events. Hit it. Uh. Live from this Earth. <laughs> pertaining, pertaining to, to Middle, Middle Earth. Earth. <laughs> That's good. It's dude. Middle Earth current events. Um, yeah. yeah. Welcome to. Today's episode of Middle Earth Current Events. Yep, with uh, Grant. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really have much on it. This is just kind of a pull it out of my butt and talk about it for a second kind of thing. Swing. Yep. <laughs> uh, if you join our Patreon, you can see me pull more things out of my butt. Um. Uh, we don't have Patreon. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just a little joke. Um, starting in November, so this <laughs> this isn't something that's happening right now that we always do. <laughs> we always end up doing that where it's like, oh, oh, actually that was today that mm-hmm. happened. But mm-hmm. then it's in the past by the time you guys listen to this. Starting in November of this year, 2023, you mm-hmm. can now get the History of Middle-Earth book set with interchangeable covers between the Alan Lee art, which is a great artist for Lord of the Rings stuff, and the original History of Middle-Earth art. It includes a reprint of the first edition of the Silmarillion, a reprint of the first edition of the Unfinished Tales, and two volumes of Lost Tales from the History of Middle-Earth. Oh, wow. So if you don't know what the History of Middle-Earth is... Oh, let me look this up real quick. Should have been a little more prepared. Gosh, guys, what the frick? <laughs> um... It's a big book set. It is a really big book set. This is the this is the next book set that I want to get. Um, my gosh, guys, it's it's expensive too. If you get that really nice, I mean, if you get if you buy them each individually, it's expensive. But if you get that big, nice hardcover one, the yeah. black ones, that looks really nice too. When does it? What's it called? The history of Middle Earth is it the history of Middle Earth? Yeah, there's. Uh, I can't find the uh, on Amazon. You can get like this big black like leather bound version or something like that. And mm-hmm. it comes in like three volumes, I think, which in- contains all of them, but it's like $300 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's the set I want. But then this set that's coming out, I think is around a hundred dollars or is a hundred pounds in the UK. Yeah. Do you want to know something crazy? What's up? I, my wife, let me add that to our wedding registry. The big one, the big one. Awesome. Some friends of ours bought it and it never arrived. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Dang. Come on, man. Come on. I was so excited, and then it never showed up, and they were like, hey, we just got a notification that it's not shipping, hmm. and they got a refund, and I was like, oh, come on, man. That's weird. I was, I cried, man. It yeah. was the worst day of my life, my wedding day, because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get the box set of That's awesome. the history of my um, life. Yeah, so 
the history of Middle Earth contains the Book of Lost Tales Part One, mm-hmm. which is um, it's just kind of a it, it goes through the cot the cottage of lost play. Um, it's about this this man from England named Ariel. Um, huh? yeah. Are you sure it's not a mermaid? No. Oh. Um, okay. His actual English name is Elfwine, mm. but in Elfwine, the Elven lands, he's called Ariel. Um, but yeah, so it talks about the Cottage of Lost Play, the first version of the music of the Ainur, um, the first version of the coming of the Valar and the building of Valinor, the first version of the chaining of Melko, which is an earlier name from Melkor, the coming of the elves and the making of Kor. Kor is the later Tyrion and it's Hiltuna. Uh, there's the theft of Melko and the darkening of Valinor. There's the flight of the Noldoli, which is another name from the Noldor, the tale of the sun and moon, the hiding of Valinor, Gilfannon's tale, the travail of the Noldoli and the coming of mankind. Um, so basically it's a lot of the first versions of what is originally the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. And then it also includes the Book of Lost Tales Part 2, which both of these parts will be in the new box set of the um, uh, History of Middle-Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're talking about. This includes the tale of Tenuviel, which is about Baron and Luthien, first version. There's Turambar in the Feoloki. <laughs> well, Feoloki. I said that in an Australian accent. <laughs> Foaloki, uh, which is the first version of Turin Saga, the fall of Gondolin, the only full narrative of the fall of Gondolin, mm. the Nauglifring, which is the tale of the dwarven necklace known now as the Nauglumir. There's the tale of Eärendil. Um, and then there's also the history of Ariel or Elfwine and the End of Tales. Um, and then it also includes the Lays of Beleriand, which um, go more into depth about the Lay of the Children of Hurin. Uh, it's got early abandoned poems about the Noldoli and Gondolin. It's got the Lay of Lathian, which includes um, Baron and Luthien. Yeah. Um, there's also the Shaping of Middle-Earth. Now I'm getting into like what would be the big black leather box set mm-hmm. that i want this includes all of this that you the guys sh- can send to us for free yeah two copies sh- please yeah two <laughs> copies please uh the shape the shaping of middle earth includes um prose fragments following the lost tales the earliest silmarillion the quenta uh the first silmaril silmarillion map an old poem called the horns of Ilmir, which is olmo uh the Ambarcanta, which is a cosmological essay map and diagram mm. of the heavens of arda uh, it's got the Annals of Valinor and the Annals of Beleriand. Um, then there's also the Lost Road and other writings, which mm-hmm. includes. Oh, I'm getting a little hungry. The history, the <laughs> early, the early history of the legend of the fall of Numenor. It includes the fall of Numenor and the Lost Road, which is Tolkien's take on um, time travel. Oh, whoa! Um, because he and C.S. Lewis did a little challenge to see like if they could write about sci-fi within their worlds and c.s lewis did um what is it called strange planet or something like that did i don't know but he did like a whole little series on his sci-fi space travel whereas tolkien did time travel mm-hmm. um it also includes uh some other later versions of stories and a story called the lamas and also an earlier version of the quintus silmarillion and etymologies um and another map, there's the Return of the Shadow, which is uh, uh, Tolkien's un- sequel. Wait, no, no. That's that's the new shadow, I think. Oh, yeah. The, the Return of the Shadow is the My the earliest man. version of the um, the first few chapters of the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Same with the Treason of Isengard and the War of the Ring and Sauron Defeated. Those are all really early versions and early chapters of what would make up the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. Then there's also Morgoth's Ring which is not actually a ring. The whole thing explains how Morgoth's ring, like Sauron's ring, was actually Arda and that mm-hmm. he desired to control Arda. Um, and it includes a bunch of early um, versions of the Silmarillion as well. And then there's the War of the Jewels, which is the Silmarils, of course, and then the Peoples of Middle-Earth, which is pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's the full history of Middle-Earth. This one is just first version of the Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales, as well as the Lost, or yeah, what Book of Lost Tales Part One and Two, yeah, um, which is still really cool. Plus, mm-hmm. you get some cool interchangeable artwork covers, mm-hmm. dust jackets, so that's pretty cool. And yeah, that's about all I have. So that's good, dude. Well, yeah. that's all we have for this whole episode, dude. And please buy us those things. Yeah. Thanks. Well, don't buy us. Buy us those things. Yes. 
Yes. Gives you pause. I didn't want them to think that. Please buy us. <laughs> Please buy yeah. us out. We are for sale. Yes. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with episode 60. Yes. Um, big 6-0. Big 6-0, <laughs> man. Double digits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite joke. <laughs> um, yeah, with uh, chapters 11 and 12, which I'm pretty sure is A Knife in the Dark and The Flight to the Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got two weeks to read those, depending on when you listen to this. Um, and, yeah, so we'll catch up later. Yeah. See you guys later. Oh, that was early. <laughs> okay.